Good morning. How are you guys feeling? <laughs> Was it worship so good? I'm so grateful to be here, as Jeremy said, in a body of believers who believes, who actually carries the word believers. Amen? Yeah. So before we get started today, I'm going to invite Christy Hare up here, and she's going to pray for us. She prayed this over us Wednesday night. Uh, if you missed Wednesday night, oh, you missed it. Um, but hopefully we're going to get her to do that again so you guys can hear it. Uh, she prayed this Wednesday night, and I was like, hey, can you come just pray this over us? She, she's like, I pray this every day, and I need you guys to hear what she's praying over us as a church. Okay? Amen? Good morning. Father God, we thank you for today. We thank you for the life and the breath that you have imparted into us. When you first breathe your breath into man, it exists in us. We just take a minute to inhale and exhale and acknowledge that you are a sovereign God. You know right where we are in this dispensation of time. And every provision and protection and defense has been provided for your people because you have called us to be light in the darkness. Father, for this congregation, for this body of believers who are here today and those who are absent that call Arise Birmingham, their church home, I bless them in Jesus' name. I pray, Father, that you would remove the spirit of error, the spirit of lawlessness, rebellion, and unloving. Expose it, Father. Remove it in Jesus' name. Now I release your spirit of the fire of your love. Baptize them in the truth of your word. Because your word is your character. And you said that you do not let your word go forth and fall to the ground. But you perform your word in your people's lives when they trust and believe in you. I thank you, Father, for removing the blinders from the eyes and the stoppers of the ears as you have spoken to us this morning. I thank you, Father, that you're calling this congregation into a greater understanding by the truth of your word. And it is unraveling the lies that has been intertwined in these people's lives. I thank you that, that you have caused them to stand not only in the truth of your word, but by the blood of Jesus and the power of you, Holy Spirit. We thank you, Father, for raising this congregation up to the rightful place as your sons and daughters, as the beloved. And I bless them, Father. I pray that you line them up with what is written about them in the assignments of their book in heaven. You would speak to them individually and let them know this is what you are to do. This is where you are to go. This is how you are to do it. And they would know without a shadow of a doubt that you know right where they are, God. You are intimately involved in our lives and you tell us to come and eat with you and you will come and eat with us. So we thank you that you, heaven and earth is going to pass away. But you said your word will never pass away. So I bless this congregation in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thank you. Woo. Are you guys ready for the word? <laughs> if you're not, you will be. All right. All right. Acts chapter 16. If you have a Bible. Bible app, and 
I'm so thankful, just before we start, just so thankful for people that, that God has brought into this house. This isn't, this house isn't about one person. It's not about a leadership team. It's not about a group of people. It's about a house. And we're so thankful for you guys um, and for people like Bob and Christy Hare and Miss Sherry and Miss Yvonne and all of these people who champion us so well. Amen? Okay. So while you're, while you're turning to Acts 16, if you are still doing that, let me give you some background um, on what's going on before we read what we're about to read. Okay? Paul and his companions were traveling from city to city preaching the gospel. <laughs> what says hallelujah? <laughs> so there were a couple of times that the Holy Spirit specifically told them, do not go to this city. Okay, so they would pass by the city and they would go on to the next one. Then one night, Paul had a vision in the middle of the night of a Macedonian man who was asking for help. So he and his companions immediately set out for Macedonia and they went to the capital city and they started to preach the gospel. <laughs> Amen. Okay, so as they were doing this, there was a young slave girl that started follow, following them around and shouting and being loud. And it says that she was possessed by a spirit by which she could tell the future. So she followed them around for several days until Paul decided to turn around and look at her and he cast the spirit out of her and she was free. Well, this made her owners really angry because they were making money off of her ability to tell the future by this spirit. So they seized Paul and Silas and they dragged them into the marketplace in front of the authorities. And they started accusing them of making trouble. Okay? All right, that's where we're going to pick up in Acts chapter 16, verse 22. Okay? It says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in chains. About midnight... Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, Do not harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved. They replied, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, 
you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. And immediately he and all of his family were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole family. Amen? Okay. So I want to talk today about the power of midnight prayer and praise. Okay? Midnight is when it's the darkest. It's when it looks like things are impossible. It's when we think we've heard the word of the Lord, but it looks like everything is going the opposite direction. Right? Okay? This all started with Paul when he got a vision from the Lord. And the Lord said, go to Macedonia. Okay? There were two, at least two times that the Holy Spirit specifically said, do not go to this city. But this time, the Lord's like, go here, and the minute they get there, they start being um, harassed by a demon spirit, and then they get thrown into jail and stripped and beaten and their feet put in chains, okay? Can you imagine what Paul and Silas were thinking when the chains went on their feet? What would we be thinking in that situation? Man, Lord, why did you tell me to come here? Like, why didn't you tell me not to come here like you did the other times? Lord, what? Maybe I just heard wrong. Maybe I just didn't hear the word of the Lord. Maybe, like, I'm just supposed to just accept this and just be here. I'll be a good person, and I'll just ride it out, and then, like, maybe eventually they'll let us go. Okay? Listen. Midnight hour moments reveal what we actually belief and whose word we're actually listening to because it's easy to stand on the word of the Lord when everything looks like it's going in the right direction or when we're not seeing anything at all but we're believing for something to happen but what can we stand when it's the darkest when it looks the most impossible when it looks like everything's coming against what God is trying to do That is midnight hour praise. Midnight hour praise says, I will stand on what God is saying when it's dark. I will stand on what God is saying when it seems impossible. I will stand on what God is saying when everything I see is lying to me. Okay, does that make sense? Because the word of the Lord will come to us in a seed. Okay, it's called, the word of the Lord in scripture is called a seed. A seed has to be buried in the ground where it's dark and where it's not seen. And when it's in that place is when we water it and we nurture it. And then it takes root and it grows and it produces a harvest. Okay, does that make sense? Are you guys okay? (laughs) So, um... It's about stewarding what God is saying. And I think a lot of times we m- might not understand the, the real significance of prophetic words. Okay? Because a lot of times we will get a prophetic word and we may like um, partner with it for like 
you know, a week, like two weeks, like, I mean, like a month, and we're like, man, I got to go get another prophetic word. This one's not working. <laughs> I got to know, like, God, what are you saying now? Because obviously what I see is not lining up with what you said, so I must have heard wrong, or that must not be the right one. I have to go get another one. Okay? Right? Don't we do that? Okay, I've had people who come back to me, you know, after I've given them a prophetic word, they'll come back to me in like, you know, a week or a month or, you know, six months or a year, and they'll be like, it's just not, I just don't see it. And I just like, don't, I, what is God saying now? And I'm like, I'm okay. Like, I'll ask the Lord what he's saying. I mean, I really do. I'm like, okay, Lord, what are you saying? And the Lord's like, remember? Because sometimes, like, I don't even remember the word. And the Lord, like, I'll start to pray, and the Lord will be like, yeah, a year ago, I gave you this word, and he's still saying it. What he's waiting on us to do is to grab hold of it and bury it deep in our heart and hold on to it and nurture it and strengthen it and water it until it becomes a part of us and it produces the harvest that he sent it for. Amen? Yeah. Okay. Okay, so if we don't see it happening, it's okay to go back to the Lord and say, Lord, I don't understand. Ask him for more understanding. He doesn't mind giving it to us. Okay? Um, ask him for more understanding. Stand on the word, write prophetic words down. Read them over, even when you're not, even when you're not like in doubt. Declare them over your life every day. This is the word of the Lord over my life, okay? Whether I see it or whether I, whether I don't. Um, Smith Wigglesworth has a quote that I love. I've just like, I've lived by it for years. He said, I'm not moved by what I see. I am moved only by what I believe. The problem is that a lot of our belief systems are built around what we see rather than what we hear God say. Okay, is that right? Amen? Not, not you guys. <laughs> you guys don't do that. <laughs> so let's talk about uh, what, it, what happens when we can stand and do this midnight hour praise and, and prayer and declaration, okay? The first thing that happens is it establishes jurisdiction, okay? So when Paul and Silas were praying and singing praises to God in the middle of their circumstances that seemed opposite, they were, they were declaring hey, these earthly authorities are not the ones that have the power over us. These men who have influence and money, they're not the ones that have the power. This prison is not the thing that has the power. These chains are not the thing that has the power. The jailer is not the thing that has the power. Our wounds is not the thing that has the power. I will exalt the Lord above all of those things and I will invite him into my circumstances because he has ultimate jurisdiction over my life and my circumstances. Okay? So what happened as they were singing and as they were praying, the, the foundations of the prison that held them were shaken. <laughs> and the doors that had locked them in flew open. 
and the chains that had bound them flew off. And the unlawful declarations that were spoken over their life were reversed. And the fear and the intimidation that had been put on them was now on their oppressors. Okay? Do you see the jurors? They invited the almighty God to come and have jurisdiction and issue his ruling in their circumstances. And then nothing else could stand. Do you hear that? <laughs> he has ultimate jurisdiction. Okay? Does that make sense? I believe that um, one of the things that, um, that happens, you know, I said earlier that, that midnight hour moments reveal what we really believe. They also reveal what are we really putting our faith in to rescue us. Okay? <laughs> Um, because in, th in this country that we live, in this world that we live in, there are so many avenues to rescue. So many roads we can take to grab hold of what looks like rescue. And the enemy loves to come and bring his agenda dressed up as and disguised as rescue. To get us distracted to go down a wrong road in search of rescue. Okay? But God God gave Jesus the name Yeshua. Okay, Yeshua is the Hebrew name. It's the Hebrew translation of Jesus. And it means God is salvation. He will not tolerate counterfeit rescue for long. There is only one path to rescue, and it's the one where we're following Jesus and he's lighting the way. Because Jesus is the only way to rescue. Amen? Okay? All right. Are you guys okay? All right. Um, the second thing that midnight hour praise does, it establishes jurisdiction, and then it enforces justice. Okay? Um, when I started um, studying this week, I, I didn't make this connection until I got into it and started studying it, but there's only um, one of the only other times that the midnight hour is mentioned in scripture, and the first time it's mentioned is in the first Passover, when God said in Exodus chapter 11 and 12, at midnight I will go through the land, and I will separate, and I will distinguish who are my people and who are not my people, okay? And as I started to look into, like, how do the Jews, um, how do they talk about this? What does their culture say? And what I found out is that Jewish scholars and rabbi, they say that the, the literal Hebrew transli translation of midnight is as the night divides. It's a division. It's a marking point. It's a point of separation where they say the night starts in, in one state and then there's an action and it initiates a separation that starts state B okay so what happened in the case of the Passover in the Israel's Israelites is the Israelites started the night in slavery and then there was this division there was this separation there was this marking point where God came in and he performed an action and it ended in freedom 
Okay, does that make sense? While he was um, putting justice on their oppressors, he was looking at the blood of Jesus that covered them, and he was giving mercy to his people, to those who who believed in the blood and in in his word. Okay, does that make sense? That is the midnight hour. It's when God does something so big that it it changes the state of things forever. Okay? And Paul, when he was in prison and he went to the midnight hour, Paul knew this story very well. He was a Hebrew scholar. And even if he wasn't a Hebrew scholar, the people, the, the Israelite people, every year they have a feast of Passover where they tell this story over and over again. It was the midnight hour. You will not believe what happened. We started the night in slavery and we ended the night in freedom. And the Egyptians came to us and they gave us everything that they had and they said, please go. We're letting you go with all of our treasures because God did something that separated the night. Okay? Does that make sense? Are you guys okay? That was exciting to me when I said that to show you that. <laughs> um, because it lines up with what God has been saying to us this whole time. And I, I didn't even, like, realize that. So um, about a week and a half ago, um, on January the 6th, um, I was in Washington, D.C., um, and contrary to what the news media and the House of Representatives would like for you to believe, I am not an insurrectionist, <laughs> okay? I was there for one purpose and one reason, and that was to pray, because I know and I understand the spiritual significance and the spiritual battle we are in, Okay? And I want you to know that I was surrounded by people who were doing exactly the same thing. They were praying. They were singing. They were standing. They were believing. There was even one guy who was walking around with a shofar. And he would walk from group to group. And he would say, hey, let me explain to you about the shofar and what it means and what it does. And he's like, we're going to blow it together. And we're going to shout together. And he was walking around telling. There was people that were preaching the gospel. There was worship songs going. There was... There was uh, God Bless America songs going, and uh, that's the crowd I was in. And I, and I do understand that there were people that went into the Capitol. They, some of them were let in. Some of them broke windows. Hey, we don't condone all that. That's not the way, okay? And, and those people are, are people who should be held accountable, but that wasn't the majority of what was going on and wasn't why I was there. So um, with that out of the way, <laughs> let me explain to you kind of what happened um, after everything had come to a halt inside and, uh, people were leaving, I was walking back and, um, I was walking toward this, there was this line of Chinese Americans and they were like, they were across the street in between the Capitol building and the Washington Monument. And they were, they were singing hymns and one of them was preaching with microphone and, um, I was just, as I was walking toward them, I could hear what they were singing. And they were singing, glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory, hallelujah. His truth is marching on. 
And as like I'm listening to them sing this song, and they're all in a line, and they're singing, and they have been walking around um, most of the day um, asking people to sign petitions to end the CCP. And so I'd seen them like scattered throughout the day, and so I'm walking past, and I'm listening to them sing the song, and in the minute like I walk past them, the Holy Spirit, like the presence of the Lord came over me, and I just, I had to stop walking, and I just started to weep. And I put my hand, my head in my hands, and I'm just standing there weeping. And after a couple of minutes, one of the Chinese ladies, she broke away from her group, and she came up to me, and she said, hey, are you okay? And I looked up at her, and I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she reached out, and she hugged me, and she said, hey, it's okay. Don't be sorry. And I said, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And she said, it's okay. Don't be sorry. And listen, I wasn't crying because I had thought it was over or I had lost hope. That never happened. Not a single second did that happen. I was crying because in their country, they can't stand in the streets and sing. They can't preach the gospel in the streets. And if they gather together and pray, if they're caught with a Bible, they get thrown in prison. And they came to this country to get freedom. And we're just giving it away. And as someone who represents the church in America, I needed them to know we're sorry that we let it get this far. Because we stopped standing guard because it wasn't comfortable, because it wasn't popular, because we were afraid of what happened, because we were too comfortable in our lifestyles. And now they're standing in our streets, in our country, and they're singing over us, and they're praying over us, and they're fighting for us because they know the road that we were on if we didn't wake up. That's what we're fighting for. And as before I walked away, I looked at her and I said, hey, it's not over. And what I was feeling from the Lord is where his heart is, is with the suffering of people. Those who understand that they're in suffering and those who don't understand they're in suffering. And he has reached the, uh, the limit on the amount of suffering, and he's about to move. For the people who have lost their freedom to worship all over the world, they're praying for us. For the children who've been sold and trafficked all over the world, he's had enough. For the babies whose destiny have been stolen from them through abortion, he's had enough. For the people who've lost their businesses this past year, he's had enough in their life's work. He's had enough of the suffering, and he's dividing the night, and he's about to move. And I remembered when I was watching the Victory Channel on November the 4th, and one of the pastors, he said he felt the presence of the Lord. He said he felt like the Lord was rolling up his sleeves, and he was saying, he was saying watch me work. This is the moment that we're in. Because when God gives us a word, 
even if it's not about our nation, even if it's not what I'm talking about, even if it's about your life and your individual life, when God gives us the word, it's rarely about us. It's about the world around us. It's about the people around us. It's about the salvation of others. Because let me tell you something. God didn't need an earthquake to free Paul and Silas. They were released the next day. Do you know why he sent the earthquake? For the people around Paul and Silas to know what they knew. This is God Almighty. He has the power. He cares about you. God sent Paul here to Macedonian to Macedonian because there was a jailer in his household, an oppressor. He needed to know who God was. That's what's at stake. That's why we stand. That's why we worship. That's what we're proclaiming. Either God is, either Jesus is king, (laughs) or he's not. And it's easy to believe that in the daylight. Can we believe it in the midnight? (laughs) Amen? (laughs) You guys okay? (laughs) So midnight hour praise it establishes jurisdiction, it enforces justice, and it evokes joy. It says that the jailer and his family were filled with joy once they learned who God was. I looked up that word in the Greek, and it means excessive celebration. It's not like, ah, that's awesome. No, excessive celebration with dancing And it also, one of the definitions is the inner ecstasy of seeing the kingdom of God in power, overthrowing Satan. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That's the moment we're in. We don't want to miss out. Like uh, one of the emails that went out uh, Friday, God who sits in the heaven laughs. I felt that when I was walking away from the Capitol, it was like God is laughing at, at men who try to assert their will. His heart is with the suffering of his people and the people of the world. He's about bringing the harvest. Okay? We're, it's time to celebrate. It's time to celebrate. We are at this moment where the, light, where the night divides, where the sea divides, where we entered it as one thing, we're leaving it in another way. And, and it's for the sake of the world around us. It's, this, it's for the sake of the harvest. It's so, it's so the world can see who really holds the power on the earth. Okay, it's about the overthrowing of Satan and his demonic agenda in in the halls of power all over the world. It's about the it's about him being tired of his people being silenced in Jesus name. Okay, all right, let's stand up. Eddie, you can play this. We're going to celebrate. Okay, we're going to praise. We're going to celebrate. We're going to declare. We're going to believe because we know King Jesus, he's the one who holds the power. You guys can come up here. You can fill the aisles. You can stay where you are, wherever you are. We have a few minutes to worship. The bride and the sun, the two becoming one. All the prophecies.